All right. Welcome back to the Upper Room Podcast. My name is Tim. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, Justin. How you guys doing? How are you today, man? I'm doing pretty darn good. I'm fired up because we are getting back together as a church this weekend. About time. I cannot wait to end this season of nonsense where I'm torn between, uh, you know, like actually paying attention to a sermon or the 30 text messages and emails I have going on. There's something about the accountability of sitting in a chair, listening to a sermon that actually makes me pay attention. Mm -hmm. And I I miss that. So Uh, absolutely. (laughs) I'm ready to go back to church too. So I stopped playing video games as well. Our pastor's talking and yeah. thinking I'm doing church. Believe it or not, that helps. That does. I've, I've, yeah. I've heard that. Somehow. I've heard that, yes. Yeah. Well, Although I will miss being able to take the laptop into the bathroom with me. Okay. That's a little <laughs> too much. <laughs> All right. Well, Tim, what do, you, what do you have for us today? What are we talking about? I have an interesting... That's yeah, not very interesting. I'm just going to start with this, man. How do you hear from God? In what sense? Exactly. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll give you just the, the primary stuff from me right off the bat. I think about there's, there's, three, there's three areas where I primarily hear from God. Okay. Uh, one, first and foremost, is obviously the Bible. I think our, the, the amount that we hear from God, I think, is directly related to the amount of time we spend uh, reading what he has to say. So... Some people are like, oh, gosh, I wish God would talk to me, you know, or I wish, I wish, you know, he would just address this situation that's going on and don't spend any time actually reading. That's like, that's like sitting in the room with your wife talking to yourself about you, you wishing that, you know, your wife would talk to you. And she's like, I'm right here. I'm right. Here. <laughs> yeah. So I will say this, um, people that tell me they hear from God a lot and aren't in their Bible, I worry about what they hear. Huh. I do. Okay. I do. I'm like, gosh, uh, the, Jesus said that, you know, uh, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. Yeah. And if you don't know what Jesus's voice sounds like, I don't know who you're following. Well, how do you, you I mean, you're not talking audibly hearing God. No, well, n- not necessarily. So uh, what do you mean uh, when I say the sheep will know my voice when they hear it? I think you will know what God sounds like. And I don't mean, yeah, I don't mean auditorially. I mean like... Um, the things that are right and the things that are wrong, the things that seem wisdom from God and the things that seem like wisdom from the world. There's, there's a clear distinction to me. Um, and you could even call it having a good nose. Mm. You can tell when you smell some BS, you know what I mean? You can just tell you like, no, yeah. God did not tell you uh, a previous alcoholic that you can drink again. Yeah. No, sir. You, the God did not tell you you can leave your wife because you're really attracted to someone else. We laugh. I've had these conversations. I have too. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. And people are like, no, I heard from him. I know I did. And I'm like, no, you did not. Yeah. Then they try to justify. It's like, well, how do you explain my feelings? How yeah. do you explain these dreams? I yeah. Know? And how do you explain, you know, they just Gosh. get and, way into it. And I'll ask people who are in difficult situations like that, who are struggling, and I'll say like, how's your devotional time been? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's been hard lately. Um, it seems to me that the farther away you get from the Bible, the more wacko some of your personal revelation becomes. Nice. Um, so, okay, so that's one. 
and we could really spend a lot of time there. But I would say, uh, I believe wholeheartedly that the Bible is the, the breathed out word of God, right? Uh, I think the word is theonustos, like it's literally God breathed. So that is the word of God. It, it is, it's living, it's active, right? It's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even uh, soul and spirit, bone and marrow. Like it's, it's doing stuff. And if we're not camping there, we're already missing God talking to us. Uh, the second is prayer. So I hear from God, um, I would say, in prayer where I'm seeking his face, I'm asking questions, I'm bringing my burdens to him, I'm trying to draw near to his heart. And oftentimes... Um, I feel that God impresses upon me sometimes a particular answer to something going on. Sometimes not. Sometimes I don't get an answer, and I'm praying that he gives me an answer, and someone else gives me an answer after I pray, which to me is answered prayer. Um, sometimes I'll get, and this is this is subjective, so this is not always the case, but sometimes I will get uh, like a picture in my head, uh, and it's that's not that's not infallible. That that's could potentially be wrong, but I'll test it. I feel like he shows me kind of a picture of what he's telling me and I'll camp on it. I'll think about it. I'll stew on it. I'll say, okay, maybe this is from God. Maybe this is something that he's showing me um, and something I need to step out on. It's the same way when I'm praying for other people. Sometimes he'll show me like a picture of something with that person, like maybe a sin that they're living in or uh, something that's going on with them. And I'll tell, hey, I think, I think this is something that God's telling me. I could totally be wrong. Test it. Tell me what you think about that and let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, Does that come with, like, best practice with God? Or is that something that – is that more of a spiritual gifting? Yeah. I think the more we pray, again, like, the more we know what God kind of sounds like, or by that I mean what the way God is steering our hearts and our minds, right? I think the more of ourselves that we give to God and the less sin that we're walking in, the, the greater opportunity to hear from him because less things are in the way. Um. So hearing uh, that maybe that's another tip from hearing from God is actually walking with him, you know, totally just an idea. Uh, but yeah, but the, I would, uh, and that's highly controversial. Uh, some people are like, that's ridiculous. Um, and I would say, no, I, I'm totally fallible. It could be mistakes, but I will say oftentimes it's not. And, uh, the more time I spend in prayer and the more time I spend in God's word, um, I, I feel like the more times that things like that happen, and it's really good, it's really edifying to other people, it's edifying to myself, reminds me that God is speaking to us, he's showing us stuff, if we're pursuing him, if we're paying attention. Um, and some people are like, I don't understand, I don't hear from God. And my question, again, is usually um, one of one of two things, really, but it boils down to, like, how's your devotional time? Um How's that going? And oftentimes they're like, well, I kind of gave up, you know. <laughs> or like, oh, it's been a really bad month. I just haven't haven't had the energy to do it. But I'm hearing from God about the fact that it's okay to drink, you know, or go back to smoking. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Just all of a sudden, that makes you know. um, all the sense in the world, right? Uh, the other thing that I was going to bring up <clears throat> that has to do with the other question that I'm usually asking is, and this is another area where I hear from God, is the body of Christ the church family um in sounds kind of in second corinthians yeah in second corinthians it talks about i think it's chapter three it talks about us with unveiled faces having beheld the glory of god revealing by the spirit 
uh, in a sense, attributes of God to each other through each other. So when I think about um, different people in the church who are in the word and praying and seeking God, often I just told you that sometimes all praying God will show me something about someone else, right? Like that's, that's me edifying that person. And, and trying to say, hey, I think God's telling me this for you. You should pay attention to this. Oftentimes, hearing from our brothers and sisters who are in the Word, who are also pursuing God, they can be hearing things or, or being shown things by Scripture or by prayer that we're not seeing because we're either A, too dense in the moment, or B, God just wants to use that person to speak to you. And a lot of people have this tendency to think about um, their walk with Christ in this bubble where it's all about me. You know what I mean? And it's me and Jesus. And even even me and Jesus in the Bible can be a dangerous thing, I would say, if you're not learning and growing with people who have been walking with God for a long time. You know, like Jesus took three and a half years with those guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Before they were in a place where they were able to talk and lead other people. Um, I think it takes time walking with people who know God and growing and learning that way. And I think that's the whole job of the church, according to at least uh, Ephesians chapter 4, is basically God gives people with gifts to establish saints, that's anyone who believes, in the faith for the building up of the body of Christ into the stature that belongs to Jesus in, 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 in unity. So their job is to equip other people to equip other people so that we are unified and growing together into the fullness of the stature that belongs to Jesus. So the church is a huge place where you can hear from God whether it's from the pulpit, from a man who's been seeking God and is in his word, and his word is being proclaimed over you and the Spirit's talking to you through the word, right? Or you're, maybe your friends are praying for you and have an impression from God that they want to give to you, and it's, it's fallible, but oftentimes it's right. Or maybe a buddy just comes up and tells you, hey, listen, man, I want to tell you, um, I'm seeing this in your life, and I want you to know this is hurting you. This is hurting you, and it may suck to hear that, but the Bible says that a, a wound from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses, right? Like a buddy, and we all know this, right? Like a buddy will tell you what you need to hear if they actually care about you in the long run. Um, someone who's just, you know, kissing your butt, someone who's just um, wants to be, uh, make you feel good in the moment is not necessarily someone who's about you winning. They're just about their own comfort in the moment when hanging out with you, which is sad, yeah. Um, it's a lot of people, yeah. though. Yeah. Well, and di- different people at different places. And this is why I say, like, n- not everyone in church that says something is, I mean, I've heard some wacko stuff before, but we're all growing together. And if I throw the baby out with the bathwater, that's a huge mistake. That's God's bride. Hmm. You can't beat up on her like that. So, um, yeah, my encouragement to anybody who's trying to listen for God, I would say, how's your time in Scripture? How's your time in prayer? How's your time in community? And if you're not doing those three things, if you're hearing from God, it's, it's not going to be good. It's probably going <laughs> to be um, crap happening or going wrong in your life to bring you back to him, right? Like a good God oftentimes will let you fail at something as evidence or a way of communicating you're not in a good spot, come back. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you put it in threes because those are the exact same three I had in mind. So thank nice. you. Nice. Well, I kind of want to go into more detail with the whole uh, reading your Bible thing. Okay. How much should you do it? Oh, geez. Uh, I mean, 
as much as you can. Well, let me say this. Like, <laughs> I think we both know people who are like, no, I can't go out with you tonight. I got to read my Bible again. Is that weird? I've always had, and this is this enco- this is en- encompasses the three, really. But I've always had this metric, and it's I'm not saying it's foolproof because the second I tell you how much you have to read, I'm dabbling in legalism. Right. Right. I'm always going to encourage someone to read more. Yeah. Some people, actually, it's not true because some people I may encourage them to put down the Bible, and go do what it says. <laughs> right. Some people know a lot. And I'm trying to think who the theologian is, who says this, but he says a lot of us are spiritually constipated. You know, we have we have all this information and no way to get it out because we're just we're, you know we know all the information. Uh, Francis Chan had another analogy where he was like, "What if what if God tells you to clean your room, uh, you know, before he gets home, and you have your buddies over to study what it means to clean your room, and you guys yeah. learn how to say it in Greek, you know, what I mean, and do all this stuff, and then he gets home and he's like, did you clean your room? Well, you know, we we're really impressed by what you said." And we, we see the implications, and it's deep. And I actually wrote, you know, a 15-page paper on the value of cleaning your room. <laughs> right? It's, it's in the doing oftentimes. Um, okay, sorry, back <laughs> tangent. Back to what I was uh, getting at. Um, I think that we're always reading one of two books, right? Like you got the wisdom of the world, and you got the wisdom of God. And I, my, my thing for myself personally is I, I want to say I want to be reading from God's book more than the world's book. So whether you're watching television or listening to music or the friends that you're hanging out with, whatever it is, my desire is to be putting in um, or soaking in what God is saying more than I'm listening to the voices that are, that are fighting for my attention. Nice. So... That's how I kind of measure that and think through that stuff is I want to make sure on a, on the daily that I'm putting in more Jesus than I'm putting in of anything else. And, you know, in the infamous, uh, you know, the, the, the great words of the theologian Kid Rock, right? You get what you put in <laughs> and people get what they deserve, you know? <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I just think that what you're soaking in, man, ends up defining you. And I want to be defined by definitely, God. Definitely. I and, know there's an issue, though, too, with uh, how much time to read or spend time with God or any of that stuff, really. It's like, well, when can I do something I want to do? Yeah. Mentality almost, you know? Yeah. Like, like, okay, I read my Bible an hour. I still got four hours before bedtime. I'm just going to binge watch something. Sure. And does that still count? You know what I mean? Like, this is kind of a weird, I want to say balance, but it's weird. I don't. I can't, can't really explain it. This is such a difficult topic. Here's why. Yeah. We all know that we should want to spend time with God. Exactly. We all know we should want to go to the gym, right? Yeah. Exactly. If you're into that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> somebody who's overweight, not in a good place, needs to go to the gym, maybe needs more time at the gym than in front of the TV, right? And somebody who's in shape maybe has the ability to relax a little bit or miss a couple of days and be okay with it so that they're not being legalistic. This is this is the problem. This is what I'm getting at. The second you say, "Here's how much time you have to spend in," right? Like, there's I'm 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 creating a standard that the Bible doesn't totally tell me. I will say, the Bible tells us to be immersed in it. Yeah, that we should abide with Christ, right? Like John 15. I'm thinking about 
I think it's First Timothy where where Paul tells Timothy be immersed in these things or be absorbed in them. Like this is what life is about. This is the mission. This is the call. It's a huge deal. Um, it's really important. That that being said, I I guess I just want to be careful not to create some kind of standard that isn't one of conscience and um, one of discipline in your own walk towards God. Each person, it's going to look slightly different. That being said, people that are like, I'm probably fine. Maybe you need to read more. Mm-hmm. And other people that are like, gosh, I, I just, you know, I'm only reading 10 chapters a day and maybe, maybe lay off the sauce. <laughs> maybe cool off. You know, uh, may, maybe spend a little bit more time walking and praying or talking with other people about what you've learned. Um, than just continuing to study. And I'm not dogging on studying. I'm just saying there's a, there's a time for everything. Um, but I would say this. Someone who has has no problem watching five hours of Netflix and has a hard time getting an hour of Bible reading in um, is showing their heart's condition in some way. right? Like I, I believe that the more time you walk with God, actually I think you want more of God. Um and that's not always the case, right? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I don't want to go to the gym, and I know I need to, so I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to go to bed instead of eating nachos at 11 o'clock because I know it's better, yeah. right? It doesn't feel better in the moment, but I know it's better in the long term. I don't always want to take my wife on dates, but you know what? I like her better when I take her out once a week, right? I just do. Um, it's the same thing with your kids. You don't always want to like go play with your kids, but no, when you do, it matters, and it builds relationship. It's the same way with God. I don't know why we disconnect them sometimes and we make God a checklist. You know what I mean? When we know if we do that with our family and our relationships, we'll ruin them. Yeah. Um, I would say if your day is revolving around getting that time for yourself to relax and watch you know, movies, you're missing the good life. Because the good life is actually in relationship with other people and in relationship with God. And if you're living for the times when you're doing neither, there's there's a there's a heart condition. You, you've um, I think I think we've let something start to take our affection more than God or the good things that He's placed in our life, you know. And yeah. we have we have something kind of competing for God. I really like that, dude. But where do you actually draw the line between your free time, your joy, in a matter of speaking, to spending time with God and getting to know him more. Um, so, so the problem with that question is primarily you, again, it's a checklist mentality. This is a bit like saying how much time do I actually need to spend with the person I'm in love with? Right. Or how much time do I need to spend with the person I'm trying to fall in love with? Um, how much time do I need to spend with my kids? That might be a good question. If there's important things that you're doing um, that have to do with those things, like someone, someone saying like, you know, um, to see what's most important with you, look where you spend your time. Yeah. That's not necessarily true. And, and I'm just saying this because the reality is, is I may spend a lot of my time doing stuff to support my family and I'm not saying I enjoy those things more than my family. That's ludicrous. And people say that sometimes and it kind of frustrates me. But all right, all right, sorry. Here's what I'm saying. I think a wicked heart and I think our natural place 
uh, where we're coming from with this kind of thinking is from like a law kind of perspective. What's, what's the minimum? You know, what do I have to do to be cool with God? It's like a conditional thing, right? If I do this, then God will do this, so right? There's, there's people that read the Bible, Tim, and it's like if God doesn't write out precisely what their sin is with their name next to it, they don't think it, you know, they, they're going to argue about it. You know what I mean? Like, if like, how come it doesn't talk about this? You know, how come it doesn't talk about that? And the problem, the problem with a, a wicked heart, man, is that it's looking for loopholes constantly in something that's not a law. The thing about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, like Jesus, literally narrowed down the entire law to two commandments: look, love God, and love people. And we immediately are like. Well, what does that mean? Could you define that so I feel better about it and can get away with what I want to do? It already kind of betrays, like, man, you don't really love God. You don't really like people. <laughs> I think about this. This reminds me of the story of the rich young ruler, right? You know, he he's shows up, you know, talking to Jesus and is, you know, good, good teacher. Uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life, right? And um, it cracks me up because Jesus basically first off says, why do you call me good? No one is good but God, right? Yeah. And then he tells him the, the Ten Commandments and doesn't even get through all of them. That's the best part. He, he rambles through, a, you know, I think four or five of them or something like that. And the guy, either either Jesus only said a couple in my mind. Like when I think about this, I think the guy cut him off halfway through. Well, that's how I hear it too. It's, yeah. That's how I do it with the Bible now too. It's like, okay, I've read this part of Romans a thousand times. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy ends up saying all of these I've done for my youth. And my heart is like, did you, did you not hear what Jesus just said? He said, no one's good, but God, which means you have not done those things. Like he totally missed, he totally missed the point. But here's, here's the beauty of this story. Why this wrecks me is the guy comes to Jesus asking what he has to do for eternal life. And he's called a rich young ruler, which means he had money, he had respect, he had some power, right? Um, and in that, in that community, like in that culture, in that time, if you were in a place of respect and you had money, you were seen as blessed by God and put together. And here he is showing up to Jesus saying, hey, what do I have to do? There's something, there's something clearly wrong. Like he feels some kind of disconnect. If he's put together, he wouldn't be asking this question of Jesus. But apparently he's been doing all the right things and still feels like he's coming up short somehow or like something's wrong or like he needs to justify himself. It, it, see, see what I'm saying? It's betraying a heart condition that he already has where he's looking like, gosh, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something more that I have to do. I'm missing something. And how many people do you know, Tim, that are in like, I've gone to church my whole life and I've done, I've done all the right things. I know the sermons. I know the Bible studies. What's wrong? That is the checklist mentality that sees God as something that you have to do, not someone that you need to know. The beauty of Jesus is he is the God who put his heels in the dirt and walked on, on this planet, suffered with us, died for us, and became a human so that we could actually know God. You cannot know God aside from Jesus. You can know like things about him. You can start to know his ways, like it says about Moses. But the way we get to know and identify with Jesus is that he became a human so that we can know and identify with him. Outside of that, he's spirit. We don't know. You know, um, Jesus, Jesus put a face 
to the eternal, transcendent, perfect God. It's crazy. It's the, the whole incarnation is insane. But here's here, here's what I'm trying to get at. I'm sorry, I'm dancing around this. At the end of the day, our hearts are looking for a checklist, and Jesus is looking for a relationship. And you're going to have a really hard time and a very frustrating disconnect if your heart is looking for a checklist so that you feel okay so you can live your own way, as opposed to falling in love with this God who deeply loves you and wants to walk with you, not just get moments of your time so you can go do whatever else you want. Um, This to me is like when it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I'm trying to think what passage that is. I think it's in Proverbs, but something akin to it in Matthew 6.33. But but the reality is this. We think if I delight myself in God, then he'll give me what I want. Yeah. Checklist. Yeah. Right? And we're like, so I'll just do these right things and then I get what I want. And we're reading it wrong because essentially what Jesus is saying is if you delight yourself in me, well, then what is your light? What is your heart now delighted in? If you delight yourself in God and then he gives you what you're delighting in or the desires of your heart, your desire will be more of God. Yeah. Ironically, he's saying, look, if you fall in love with me, if you pursue me, if you want me, you will get more of me. I will. I will reveal myself to you. I will show myself to you. This is the beauty. Eternal life is not uh, just forever. It's a person. Eternal life is Jesus. Irony, uh, or the the point that I I guess I'm trying to make, is, is exactly that. If you love Jesus, he will give you more of himself. And it is... It's awesome, man. That yeah. That's the whole point. That's the pursuit. I don't want um, to be married to my wife uh, because I think she provides me with a, with an, um, with what I think, you know, my life is supposed to look like. Now I'm married. Now I have kids. Now I have a house. Here's my truck. Here's my dogs. Right? Yeah. The American dream. I don't give a crap about that. I, I actually want to stay in love with my wife. I do. And, and uh, here's the point. If I pursue my wife and I want to love her, I will. And if I don't, I won't. Yeah. And I'll see her as now she's secondary to whatever I want in the moment. We can't live our life that way, man. And um, if we're trying to hear from God, to, to connect these two, if we're trying to hear from God and we have a checklist mentality, we're only looking to God to hear about the things that we want to do. Very true. Right? Yeah. Like, well, this is what I'm trying to do, God, and I did all the right things. So how come you're not answering my prayer? Yeah. And yeah, 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 I keep going to church and I keep hearing the same thing. Have you considered that maybe why you're going to church and hearing the same thing is because you don't get it. So he keeps saying it and you think you're past it, just like the rich young ruler who's like, yeah, 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 I've done all that. And what Jesus is trying to say is, no, you're, you're missing something. You're broken, right? And it, I love the story because it, it's Mark chapter 10. And Jesus looks at the guy and it says he loved him. He loved him. And... um he tells him one thing you lack, sell everything that you have, and come follow me. And it says his face fell because he was very rich. Here's, here's what blows my mind. Some people are, are, um, don't want to check, don't want to get rid of their checklist um, because in the moment it's, it's keeping them comfortable. This guy could have been, right? I know this is a weird way to think about it, but he could have been like a 13th disciple, right? Jesus doesn't say, come follow me, to a lot of people in the Bible. There's a very select few where he actually uses that phrase, come follow me. And this dummy chose religion over adventure. 
this idiot chose a checklist over a relationship. I don't want to do that, man. Yeah. I don't want to do that. When Jesus says, I want to go on an adventure with you, like, do you want to come with me? Do you want to do this? Then you got to get rid of some stuff, and it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to be weird, but it's going to be the best thing that you've ever experienced. Yeah. I, I want to do that. And this guy, this dude walked away, and Jesus doesn't go after him. I am encouraging everyone who's listening to this, do not choose a checklist over the adventure. And anyone with a heart knows that's true. I'm, I'm telling you, walk away from your pile of stuff. See what happens. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, prayer as the second option here. Yeah. How you hear from God. I was talking to one of my uh, guys on my, my job. And he was talking about, like, man, I wish God would just send me a boning bush and he could just speak to me and I would know it was him and things would be good and things would be great. But I didn't say this to him, but I remember driving after that. I'm like, well, that moment kind of ruined Moses's life. Like <laughs> in a good way, we get Exodus and you know, all that stuff. But like, he didn't want to do any of that. It's like choose someone else. God, not me. Yeah. Right. Yes, dude. That's, that's so, that's so good. Cause I, th- I talk about, you've heard me talk about this analogy before. Like Jesus opens the car door. It's like that part on Transformers. If you saw the movie, you know, where, where Bumblebee rolls up in the Camaro and the door flips open yeah, and they're kind of staring at each other, like, should we do it? And he says, 50 years from now, aren't you going to want to say you got in the car? Yeah. Yeah. I think about that. Jesus basically offers us that like this rich young ruler, come follow me. Right. And he missed out on the opportunity of a lifetime. He walks away. Yeah. Um, and I think about this, like, gosh, when we get in the car, sometimes we think we we have got God worked in such a way that he's going to drop us off where we want or he's going to take us where we want to go. That's the thing about adventures. They never go how you planned them. And sometimes God's driving and we're pissed off that we're going where he's saying we got to go. Yeah. How many times, think about this, Jesus, Jesus is always telling his disciples to get in the boat, right? Do you think after the second time, though, it seems like every time we get in the boat when Jesus tells us to, it goes bad. Something happens. Yeah. yeah. Can, can you explain to me why every time we're in the water together, it hits the fan? You know what I mean? And that's that's the thing. is God, God takes us where we don't want to go to produce in us what wouldn't have occurred if we didn't go. Right? right? If it was up to us, it wouldn't have happened. Like, no one in the Bible, honestly, the heroes that we love, none of them get out of bed if they knew what was going to happen to him that day. True. Just like Moses. Like if he knew I'm going to see a, a, you know, a bush that's on fire or something. Um, I can't imagine that he would have been fired up and be like, yeah, I totally, I want to go, you know, uh, piss off Pharaoh and see if I can't yeah. have his entire army chase me down while I'm sandwiched between his army and the red sea that I can't cross in time. No, mm-hmm. no one's, no one's doing that. But on the other side of that red sea, when it says he was seeing the the you know Pharaoh's army washing up on the shore, oh my gosh! Yeah, you you just became part of something that will transcend the moment. And this is part of history. Now, heroes heroes to me aren't people who knew they were going to be famous or a big deal. The heroes to me are people who just did the thing that they knew that was right, even when it sucked. Yeah, you know and. I got to tell you, man, I think about the disciples. I think about everyone I love in scripture. I don't want to be any of them, but I admire all of them. Right. So that's the route I'm trying to take. 
And it means putting off comfort and the things I love to actually pursue this adventure. I, man, I don't, I want to live my life for God. I, I want to be a part of an adventure. I don't want a checklist. And I, I certainly don't want to die with just a bunch of stuff, uh, you know, knowing that I, I did the right things. I don't just want to be <laughs> some kind of moralist, man. Yeah. I want to know God. I want to walk like he did. And the, the crazy thing, man, I think about, I think about St. Andrew, his story was like, you know, he's going around preaching the cross and, um, you know, they're basically trying to tell him to, to you know, if you keep talking like this, we're going to crucify you. And I think, I think it's in Fox's Book of Martyrs. But he says, I would not preach the glory of the cross if I feared the death of a cross or death on a cross. And that fires me up, man. There's something in all of us, especially I think as men, that knows like, gosh, that's how I'm supposed to go out. Yeah. You know? For real. But we don't, we, we think that moment's going to come after we've lived however we want to live and then I'll just die awesome. Yeah. You won't, dude. Like how you are living your life right now, the decisions you make, the time you spend in the Word, the time you spend getting to know Jesus, not just checking off a list, um, letting him drive where he wants to go is what makes you that adventure. It's what makes you that hero who did the right thing in the right moment. Why? Because you weren't driving. Nice. Jesus was, and he's going to do something awesome. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's pretty awesome. I don't know. It drives me, man. Yeah. It pumps me out. When it sucks, I just remember it's part of the adventure. Yeah. Every, uh, think of it, think about it this way, man. If you took out, if you took out all the struggle and all of your favorite movies, there's no villain. You wouldn't nothing, have a hero. Nothing bad happens. Yeah. There's no heroes. There's no hero. It sucks. I'm not watching that movie. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's the same way with the miracles. The thing about miracles is they're always preceded by a crappy situation. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a miracle. Yes. Yes. What's the? I love how Doug, Doug Wilson puts this. He says, uh, the whole story of the Bible, kill the dragon, get the girl. I love that. I love it. Yeah. I seriously want that quoted somewhere in my room. Dude, get that. Get the. Get some ink. That'd be awesome. Kill the dragon, get the girl. That'd be sweet. <laughs> I'm due for a new one anyway. It's been a few years. Man, I've been due for a new one, but I have children and, you know money is it goes to something a little more important at this point but eventually okay eventually i'm going to get there and i will have you know two sleeves and i will look awesome no i wouldn't go that far i would um back to the topic here yeah sorry Talking about tattoos <laughs> uh you hear god by the body of christ yeah I'm trying to phrase this what is a good is it characteristics you're looking into people? Is it something that they're doing, their lifestyle, their habits, their routines? Someone to look at and ask for advice from, or to hear from when right, it comes to learning from God. Let me tell you something that sucks. Yeah. Okay. I think a smart person, like a, like a wise person, will hear it from an idiot. And here's, here's why this sucks, okay? I'm just telling you, most people are like, we want to hear the things that we have to learn from people that we perceive to be leaders or put together. And oftentimes we do, but it seems to me in my history, man, when God wants to make a point to me, he uses someone that I feel like I shouldn't have to listen to and that clearly has not proven themselves. Like they're somehow beneath you in a way or? Um, someone, yeah, but not in that sense, like, it may be perceived that way in my own pride. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? But well, someone I like, okay, yeah. so so if I'm someone who spends time in the Bible and time in prayer and I'm um, um, leading a ministry at the church, 
God is going to use the person who barely shows up to the ministry that I'm a part of. You got saved bar- last week. Yeah, yeah. Barely in his Bible, like barely, uh, barely prays is going to come up and say something to me. That's just going to rub me the wrong way and be a hundred percent right. Does that bother you though? Cause then it's like, I should have known that. I should have known that. Dude, that's, that's where we camp. Yeah. That's where we camp. I, I gotta tell you, if you don't know, everything that I learn, everything that I'm like growing in, eventually I remember like, oh yeah, this is literally it's the gospel. I just I'm always I'm always thinking that somehow I'm like getting away from that or growing. And the thing about growing is that you're actually consistently getting closer to the cross in your understanding of it. Like we start there and we finish there. We never leave. Um, and sometimes we forget that. And then sometimes somebody will say something so trivial or, or uh, insignificant and the Holy Spirit will just be like, you paying attention? And I'll just be a mess. And I'm like, gosh, I don't want to learn from somebody that I, I don't totally like. You know what I mean? I don't want to learn from that guy. Yeah. Um, and, and here's what I would say. If you're looking for wisdom, if you're asking someone, I would say go to someone who is in the word who is in prayer, who's been walking with God for a while. Why? Because he can hear his voice, right? Like maybe not perfectly, but you got a better shot at getting wisdom from someone who's been walking with God for a long time. Now, like I said, I think we should hear it from anyone and at least sift through it and see if what someone is saying has merit. And like I said, the, one of the more frustrating lessons in my life I've learned, I've learned from people that I don't feel like you know, they're hypocrites when they say it to me. You know what I mean? I'm like, I shouldn't have to listen to this. And they're right, though. Yeah. You know, um, but if you're seeking out advice, yeah, I would say go go to someone who is in the word, who is in prayer, and who is faithfully serving the Lord. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the pastor of your church, your small group's leader. No, no. Um, I don't know who said this originally, but I heard it and it just resonated with me. He said, the church is not um, edified. Gosh, I think he said when the when the preacher is serving the body, the church is edified when the body is serving the body. So, so we can't do this two tiers thing. There's very religious people and there's not religious people. It's like, well, no, it's, as a church as a whole is supposed to function like a family. Right. And what makes the, the two tier system something that we think sometimes is those uh, that, you know, I think of Ephesians 4, God gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, and teachers for the building up of the saints, right? Or the equipping of the saints to the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, uh, something along those lines. I, you know, I read NLT, NIV, ESV, and NASB, and there's some kind of amalgamation of all of those translations in my head when I try to quote scripture now. <laughs> but That's why it's supposed to stick with one translation? Well, Bible reading tip for yes, you. Yes, I'm sure that the Textus Receptus is what you're talking about. Yes. Uh, anyways, my, my point is that the job of the pastor and those teachers is actually to help us equip, or is to help equip us so that we serve each other better. Not so that we're continually dependent on that person, but so that eventually we're able to help each other better and more equipped to serve each other instead of just going to that person. Again, like I said earlier, to be constipated with information that we're never using to help anyone else. The whole purpose of that is to build each other up and grow each other so that we're continuing to establish each other in the faith and grow each other into a love of Christ. So you have to be willing to look for wisdom through others, but also be prepared knowing that 
one day you're going to have to return the favor to someone else? Um, let me ask you a question. It, it, and this is, I just think this is universally true. Maybe someone could disagree with me. If you see something beautiful, like just gorgeous, the worst thing that can happen is that there's no one there to show it to. Yeah. Like if I see something amazing, okay, we, we know this. Like uh, if, if something super cool happens, like you do something just ridiculously ninja and you look around, you're, did anyone see this? Did anybody right? see that? Yeah. Like, come on. Somebody had to have seen that. Why? Because amazing things we want to share. Yeah. It sucks when there's no one to share it with. You're like, well, it doesn't even matter then, right? There's something about learning and growing and getting new things that are actually helping you walk out your Christian life that make you want to help other people. You want to share it. It's beautiful. It's good. It's good news, right? There's mm-hmm. probably a word for that we use. Um, but it's good news. And I think, if, I think if we see it as like, okay, I'm only getting this information because I have to share it later. Well, no, it's like if, this, if you find something that changes your life, man, or you find something that's helping you along the way, we, we want to share those things. I think it's human nature to want to share something beautiful or good with other people who haven't gotten to see it yet. Totally. Yeah. I know you do that with songs a lot too, right? Like we always sing songs back and forth to each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's been, that, that there's very few things that can turn my day around faster than just an awesome song I haven't heard before. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Do you see those moments? <laughs> yeah. If it's something good, you, you, you want to share it, man, whether that's a good recipe or a sunset or a place that you visited or you know, like I said, something just ridiculous that you got to do. We all, we're always telling people about it. And the same about bad things too, right? Yeah. 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 I honestly hope this doesn't come off as like guilt shaming people, believers who are struggling with this kind of stuff. Cause yeah, that's, I, I, I'm living this yeah, now. Buckle up guys. You know? We're about to get a drive by guilting from Tim Brown. Here it comes. No, I'm the last person to want to guilt anybody, <laughs> but it does help to kind of draw out some of the questions, you know? Yeah, no, I think I think it's an important thing that we're talking about some of this stuff. And again, the, um, my hope, guys, the whole reason that me and Tim are getting together to talk about some of this stuff is, A, we enjoy the conversation, mm-hmm. and B, um, sometimes it's hard to connect what we hear and what we do in church to real life. And this stuff is supposed to kind of connect the things that, that we're, uh, you know, we're supposed to or assumed that we know. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't totally, maybe it hasn't been totally explained before. Maybe it has. And, and, um, you know, you already understand some of this stuff, but it's, I don't think it's a bad thing to hear it again. Yeah. So it's kind of like the going back to the fundamentals. Yeah. Back to basics almost. Gosh, what, yeah. What does it look like to just walk with Christ? What, what does it mean to pray? Why do we read our Bible? Some, you know, some of these, some of these things I think are just helpful to walk through. So absolutely. Right on. Well, awesome, dude. I think that's our time for today, man. As yeah. always, thanks for coming. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. Looking forward to next week. Thank you, man. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Have a good one.